If you want 2024 to be your best running year, it is essential you have a customized training plan tailored to your race schedule and ability level. That's why I'm pumped to have Motive sponsoring the podcast. You can use the app for free, but if you want two months of premium access, you can use code SMARTER2. Sign up at mymotive.com. The link will be in the show notes. This episode of the podcast, we are talking about stress management, stress science, and mechanical quantification. Welcome to the Run Smarter Podcast, the podcast helping you overcome your current and future running injuries by educating and transforming you into a healthier, stronger, and smarter runner. My name is Brody Sharp. I am the guy to reach out to when you've finally decided enough is enough with your persistent running injuries. I'm a physiotherapist, the owner of the Breakthrough Running Clinic, and your podcast host. I'm excited to bring you today's lesson and to add to your ever-growing running knowledge. Let's work together to overcome your running injuries, getting you to that starting line and finishing strong. So let's take it away. Welcome back, guys. Okay, episode three of season one. We have we're going through the chapters in my ebook, going through the fundamental principles, these universal principles of overcoming any running injury. I hope you guys are enjoying my uh, little nifty intro and outro music. Um, I spent some time trying to find that recording. You go onto Audio Jungle and you find a thousand, two thousand to go through, and so flicking through them all, I think I found the perfect one. So I hope you guys agree. I, I really enjoyed the moment. Hopefully it doesn't get too old too quickly. Thank you. If you've jumped on the Facebook group, become a smarter runner. Um, I'm getting tons of engagement on there. And so um, if you're on there, thank you. And if you're engaging um, a big, massive thanks. It's really cool just seeing everyone contribute. And if they have an injury, raising it with the group and a lot of people are helping each other out. It's really, really cool. Uh, my dot points, um, recap on the podcast. Yeah, so uh, we've had episode one, episode two, talking about uh, adaptation, education, and frequency is the key. So we've delved into the importance of frequency when it comes to running and how it links in with adaptation. So these sort of intertwine really, really well. And this episode is no exception. So undergoing stress management. So first of all, I know it's, I know the title is um, stress quantification, understanding mechanical quantification. It's just, they're very technical terms, but essentially where, what, what it means is we're measuring the different types of load. So mechanical quantification is trying to quantify how much load is going through your body, how much load is going through your joints, through your skeleton, through your muscles when you do a certain activity. And if we know anything about injuries and we know anything about adaptation that we've learned in the past, trying to come to terms with how much load you are going through is really key. It's a fundamental principle, which is why it's very early on in the book, earlier in the chapters. Um, and don't be thrown off by just the technical terms. It's quite simple. And this episode tries to break it down for you. So hopefully you can digest it and understand it a little bit more. So we're trying to measure the different types of loads, but we also need to understand the compounding impact it has if you combine two different loads. And so a good like quick example, if you were to stand up 
on two feet and just do a calf raise, like raise your heels up, keeping your toes on the ground. Uh, when you come up onto your toes, your calves go through a certain load. If you were to go onto one foot and do the same thing, like a single leg calf raise, that load increases. If you were to go back onto double legs and instead of doing a calf raise, you were to jump up and down, that load goes through the roof. If you were to do hopping, so do the same task, but just on one foot, that load gets bigger. If you do hopping for height, hopping for speed, all that sort of explosive stuff, um, you can just, if you were to plot this out on a graph, the load, the requirements just keep increasing, larger and larger amounts of load. If we were to look at the knee, if you were to do like a bodyweight squat, double leg squat, and then progress that to a single leg squat, a box jump, um, that all increases the load. If you were to do a box jump 10 times over the course of one minute, compare that to a box jump 20 times over one minute, your body is exposed to more load over a period of time. So we're not just talking about an instant moment of load that goes through the body. We're also talking about what the body is subject to over a period of time. Now, this is important because we have sprinters who do 10 hours. So who's gone through more load? It really helps put that into perspective and we sort of need to understand the differences. If someone was to run at the same speed for 10Ks compared to the same speed for 20Ks, your body is subjected to more load and that could be the difference between recovering well the next day and being sore or possibly injured the next day. As you know, we're following the progress of Injury Prone Pete, who is in my ebook. I'm just reading the chapters every episode and there's no exception for this one. So let me just bring up the ebook and I'll read it out to you guys. So if we were just to recap back from lesson two, um, frequency is the key. Pete started running five times a week following a running app and he noticed that his improvements and his adaptations were um, increasing a lot quicker than when he was running twice a week. He also had the goal of running to 5K, which he achieved. So uh, let's go into it. So injury-prone Pete was flying high following the success of his 5K goal. In order to keep up his motivation, he decided to sign up for a 10K race in two months' time. With everything going well, Pete decided to continue without the running app and just follow his own guidance, thinking he would just continue pushing his distance and pace slowly. With implementing longer distances, Pete found a larger run loop around his house, which included a few hills. This didn't bother Pete because he liked the challenge of pushing himself uphill, what a weirdo. And injury-prone Pete, after two weeks into this new routine, he started developing some right Achilles tightness, which then produced mild pain. Top-performing Pete had his first reality check. So this is the chapter... Uh you aren't a template, so your training shouldn't be either. The Motive app takes training plans written by the best coaches in the world, then creates the most optimal training plan for your schedule, abilities, and goals. It's such a good idea, which is why it is one of the fastest growing training apps in the world and has thousands of age group athletes signing up every month with a near perfect 4.9 star rating. It will even plan triathlons, cycling events, duathlons, and other events if you're branching away from running races. You can use the app for free for as long as you want, with the premium access being just $19.99 per month. But if you use code SMARTER2, you can get two months of full premium access. 
sign up through their website, mymotive.com, and make 2024 your best year yet. Um, he's undergone his first injury, we'll call it at this stage. Um, so what's happened here? So let's go into lesson three, stress science and mechanical quantification in the ebook. You are correct to assume that slow incremental progresses through the running program is ideal. This will allow the body to get stronger if it is gradual and will leave you at a lower risk of injury. So what happened with Pete? Well, increasing his distance slowly is fine. Increasing his speed was also fine, but combining the two and also adding hills has exceeded Pete's maximal line capacity. So if you guys uh, can remember the graph, if you were to quantify your load throughout the graph, you have that bottom zone, which is the minimum line required for adaptation. If you get below that, the body just won't adapt. It's not enough load. And then you have this middle zone, which is the zone of adaptation. If you get with, if you get in that zone enough times, the body will adapt and get stronger. But that zone at the very top is almost like the injury zone. There's the line of maximal capacity that separates the two zones. And if that line, if that load exceeds the line, you start developing some pain. So at first, our load graph was presenting the entire body. Now, with this new injury, we can use the same graph to represent the load capacity of Pete's Achilles specifically. So if we were to visualize this, or if you've got the ebook, we've got the visual graph there, you can notice three things. First, you'll notice that uh, when Pete goes through his running phase and increases his speed and increases his distance slowly, he still reaches that adaptation zone and the maximal capacity line starts to slowly elevate as he gets stronger and the tissues can tolerate more load. The second thing that you'll notice is that the combination of speed, hills, and distance has exceeded that load capacity. So he's in that injury zone. The third thing that you'll notice is once that tissue, once that Achilles has undergone a reaction because it's been overloaded, the maximal capacity for that Achilles actually drops. It actually becomes weaker in the short term. And so all this hard work that we've done with Pete over the first couple of months of building up that capacity there's a short-term drop in that maximal capacity because the tissue becomes irritated. There might be a few inflammatory markers in there. Um, the brain starts to not want to work, not fire that those muscle fibers as much as he used to. Um, and so that capacity actually drops. Now, these are very mild symptoms at the moment, and most runners won't see the need for any intervention. There's just some very mild soreness, a little bit of stiffness but it's worth knowing about the graph and exceeding that load capacity. And this can happen with most injuries. When I see a runner in my clinic, I try and hone in on their running history, the, what they were doing at the time of the injury. I've gone a bit rogue on my notes here. Let me see if I'm still on track. Ah, yes, before I move on, um, some real-world examples. So um, a couple of years ago, I started doing some triathlons and... I just completed a half marathon. Three months later, I completed my first marathon. 
And then I decided to give running a little bit of a break, mix things up a bit and start some triathlons. So I was strong enough to negotiate a whole marathon without any issues. It was tough, but no injuries. And then I started training for triathlons. Now, triathlons are a lot shorter, a lot faster, a lot quicker, powerful, those sort of things. So I was working hard on the bike and then getting off the bike and trying to do a fast kind of sprint. That is a different load than slowly running for four hours. And so I started developing some high hamstring pain, which developed into a tendinopathy. So it can be very, very different. Um, And that was approaching four years ago now. I'm a lot wiser (laughs) now. I've got a little bit more education. Um, Just a couple of months ago, I was building up my running, doing a trail run series and hadn't done a lot of long distance stuff for a while, Um, but I was feeling really good. I decided to go for a 10K run and just listen to my body and see how fast I wanted to go, what pace I wanted to go. And at about the five, six K mark, I was feeling really good, noticing I was going a lot quicker than what I was expecting. And just realizing that I was going to quick um, and that I might start overloading my body. I felt my joints and my tissues weren't ready for that, that load of the speed. So I decided to back off a little bit. I completed the 10 K and then would you have it the next day? I started developing a little bit of knee pain. So I was actually quite grateful that I recognized the increase in load and changed the pace accordingly because I did develop a bit of knee pain the next day, but it would have been a lot worse if I was just to continue at the pace I was at feeling really good. But recognizing I hadn't done that pace or that distance for a very long time, slowing down was the right move. And I overcome that knee pain in two or three days. So I was quite lucky. So it pays to have knowledge. So hopefully um, this is passing on to you and you can recognize that. Let's go into my, my lovely iceberg analogy that I've been nurturing for the last couple of episodes. So your iceberg might be strong And it might be dense enough to manage um, a couple of waves, one or two big waves. Like we talked about last time, if you had the power to control the environment your iceberg is in, how high would you make your waves? How frequent would you make your waves if we're trying to get that iceberg as big as we can? If we hit that adaptation zone, the waves crash into the side of that iceberg, spray along the iceberg wall the iceberg freezes that water and the iceberg becomes bigger. If we fall short of that adaptation zone, there's little trickle waves. They're not going to do anything to contribute to building that iceberg. But if a big wave comes through, there's the potential to break pieces off or damage the structure of that iceberg. So we really want to make sure that you know how big, you know how strong and dense your iceberg is. And if you're unsure, making sure we're slowly through trial and error, controlling those waves, slowly bigger, slowly bigger, slowly bigger. So if you were to visualize this iceberg, also realize that certain sections of that iceberg might only manage some medium waves. Some can tolerate some big waves and crash through, say if you have really strong Achilles or if you have really strong hips. Um, But other parts of the body might be a little bit more susceptible, like your hamstrings. Um, And that's based on the individual. So Um, certain types of iceberg might not be able to tolerate big waves, but these, um, you you can leave 
those certain parts of the iceberg exposed to those big waves and then you subject them to big waves and it leads the iceberg to go under stress and put it at a potential for injury. Why the hell would you do that? Why the hell would you put your iceberg in an environment where certain aspects, certain sides of your iceberg are getting hit by big waves and can't tolerate it? This is what runners do all the time. They are injured or they haven't built up the strength for their hamstrings or their their knees or their calves, but they push themselves beyond their capacity. They always do it. And this is one of the reasons why we start the podcast because runners aren't that sensible. And just building the knowledge and having the insight uh, can uh, just lead you to make more sensible decisions. So reflect on your past and your current running. Um, you are almost always, if an injury arises, you'll almost always occur a time when there's been some overload, you're doing too much too soon. Unless there has been an episode of trauma, like you've rolled your ankle or you've fallen over or you've twisted something, that's completely different. Or there are some lifestyle factors, which we'll discuss in episode five, which might also contribute. But almost always there's some sort of overload. It's the most difficult task for runners to recognize this mechanical stress quantification for the present and for the future training. Hindsight is twenty twenty, and runners will always relate back once they were injured and say, okay, I've done too much. It always happens. You look back and you think, oh, okay, I worked too many. I ran too many days in a row. I ran too hard too many days in a row. I did too many hills. I understand why I'm injured. But we have this extreme difficulty trying to forecast for the future. As soon as the body feels good, we all do too much. We get carried away. We get caught up with looking at people on Strava, looking at their friends, running with their friends who might be a little bit better. And we just can't predict. I don't know why we just struggle to forecast that if we do a session, that's too much. We just think we're going to be fine. Well, experience helps. Knowing, being through the ropes, learning the hard way, that's all experience that um, can help you. Planning your week out so that you can see that there are no big jumps can also help. Following running programs can also help because that's a slow incremental buildup. Recognizing if you've gone on a hard workout, you're doing a couple of hard days, just take a day off, let the body recover even if you're feeling good. Um, You can also do some running and write down what we call these arbitrary units of exercise. And if you like numbers and you like writing things down, you can calculate your rate of perceived exertion from zero to 10. 10 is absolutely maxing out as hard as you can. Zero is uh, sleeping. Work out how many minutes you want to work. So you want to do a 20 minute run and how hard you want to work. Uh, Let's just say you want to work a six out of 10. So 20 minutes, six out of 10 is 120 arbitrary units. And then you can plan out your day, you can plan out your week, you can plan out your month, making sure those arbitrary units aren't getting, aren't increasing by a vast amount. You're not doing these big jumps. So that's another way you can do it. So these are all strategies to quantify mechanical stress and put you in a better position as a runner. I know I've spent a bit of time on this, um, going into a bit more detail, but If you truly understand it, it's not as complicated as it sounds. 
But the least you could do is reflect on your past and maybe learn from your past mistakes. And then just with experience, just try and forecast just a little bit. will definitely put you at a better position for uh, preventing injury. Okay, it was a bit of a ramble today. Um, if you're starting to lose track of the process and you need a bit more of a visual, get the ebook. It's available in the Facebook group. If you do have any other further questions, reach out to me on Facebook, reach out to me on Instagram. I'll be more than happy to clarify and help you out. It was a ramble today. I apologize, but um, <laughs> needed to be done. Let's finish up there. Bye for now. Thanks once again for listening. To take full advantage of the knowledge you are building, you need to download the Run Smarter app. This contains all of my free access podcast episodes, written blogs, and eBooks, along with my paid video courses, all neatly housed into categories for you to easily navigate through and find content you're interested in. Also, be sure to check out the show notes for links to the podcast Facebook group and links to learn more about becoming a podcast patron who contribute five Aussie dollars per month to get Inner Circle VIP access, including an invitation into the exclusive patron Facebook group and a complete back catalogue of patron-only podcast episodes, which you can access within the app. Also on the app, you can even find a link that takes you to my online physio clinic, where I assess and treat runners from all over the world, so I can be on standby if you ever need one-on-one physiotherapy assistance. Once again, thank you for listening and becoming a Run Smarter Scholar. And remember, knowledge is power.